Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. The Lakers worked really hard to get that number one seed in the Western Conference, and their reward was the eighth seed, Portland Trailblazers. Now, we look at them as an eighth seed, but they're not. Because had they been healthy, they're probably a four or five seed, maybe a six seed at the worst. But they had injuries. Of course, you know, the season shut down. Then they restart in the bubble. Damian Lillard gets hot. C.J. McCollum, who's break, uh, playing with a broken bone in his back. And they're a great offensive team. They're not a good defensive team. And maybe this is what the Lakers need. They need somebody who doesn't play defense very well because the Lakers' offense has struggled. Vegas thinks so much of uh, the bubble and the play in the bubble. They bumped the Clippers up to the uh, team to beat right now in the NBA for the championship, which is a little bit surprising because nobody's talked about the Mavs being a surprise team to be able to pull off an upset over the Clippers. It's the Lakers. Everybody focuses on the Lakers, even though the Mavs might have a better chance at beating the Clippers than Portland does beating the Lakers. And the reason why I say that is the Clippers are still trying to get, you know, it's, it's a great puzzle, but there's a few pieces that haven't been put together. And I think once it's, you know, once they get into the second or third round, then that's when you're going to see how great the Clippers are. Opening round, that's where the Mavs have played hard, uh, maintaining their seed. They got the Clippers. Clippers still trying to bring in all their players. And you might have them giving them a little bit better test than what Portland does with the Lakers. But what we saw with Damian Lillard establishing himself as one of the great scorers in the NBA, he's a great player. It's not just a great score. And he's open when he steps over half court. But the supporting cast is dangerous as well. And I think that's what's interesting about Portland. Getting everybody back. Can Carmelo contribute? Um, You know, C.J. McCollum. Are you able to get that kind of contribution? And I wondered, are we going to see them being energized going into the opening round? Or are they going to be dragging? It felt like after the Memphis game, where they won to be able to earn the right to play the Lakers, they look spent. Now, they've had a couple of days of rest, and of course, your body, you know, playoff mind and body takes over. You get excited, and that adrenaline can carry you, but it can only carry you so far. The Blazers, they, you know, were playing for their playoff lives every game. The Lakers didn't seem motivated in these final eight games, but then why should they? They had the number one seed, and there is really no home court advantage for being the number one seed. The postseason is far different than all the action we've seen so far in the bubble. And maybe we'll see a true Laker team in the bubble. It just feels like there's something going on there with LeBron. He has alluded to this, hinted at this, that there's something else going on off the court. And I'm not sure what it is. If it's team uh, a teammate or teammates, it's something personal. Maybe he's trying to send a message here. 
but it just feels like there's a little bit of unrest there, trepidation, something with uh, LeBron James heading into the uh, competition here. Uh, Here's Frank Vogel, the Laker head coach, talking about the opening round uh, series opponent, the Blazers. Definitely not your typical eight seed. They played at an elite level during this stretch in the bubble, at least offensively. You've got a ton of respect for Dame and CJ and Nurkic, but really for their whole team and their whole coach. they got a system that's been together for a number of years. They had continuity piece, conference finals last year. So just a ton of respect for their what they're bringing to the team. And Nurkic is really a big key because he's a really good player when he's healthy and he's still trying to get back into shape here. And you're going to try to do it now in the playoffs. But having him there, Carmelo has you know written another chapter here. C.J. McCollum with a broken bone in his back. And then you got Damian Lillard. A lot of offense there and no defense whatsoever. Just what the Lakers need. All right, uh, we'll come up with a poll question, play of the day, stat of the day. I did see this article, and I mentioned this last week. I thought we would see changes with the Pelicans, and Alvin Gentry was fired. I said Sacramento's a mess, but they weren't going to get rid of Luke Walton, their head coach. Vlade Divac got fired. He was their GM. And he had a, a long interview with the Sacramento Bee where he was talking about decisions that he made. And he made the decision to not take Luka Doncic. They had the second pick in the draft, and he decided that he was not going to take him. He was going to take Marvin Bagley Jr. the third. And the reasons why, he said that he was concerned Luka Doncic did not have a natural position. He was concerned that Doncic couldn't defend the point guard, shooting guard, or small forward position. He worried about Doncic's impact on De'Aaron Fox, whom the Kings had selected previously, the the previous year at number five overall. And I understand this. What I don't understand is how many times do coaches and GMs and owners make a mistake where they go, well, I don't know who he can guard. Some of the greatest players in the history of the game can't guard anybody. All I have to do is pull up Steph Curry's draft profile. Who's he guarding? I went... Who's guarding him? Steve Nash, who's he guard? Who's guarding him? And then, you know, these players don't have natural positions. That's what I don't understand about Vlade. Because your European players have a well-rounded game where your, your five can be out on the point and your point guard can be a small forward. You go back to the Blazers. When the Blazers were on the clock and they could have drafted Michael Jordan, they didn't because they had Clyde Drexler. Oops. You overthink this. Well, we already got somebody at that position. Okay, in fairness to the Blazers back then, everybody had their position. You had your two guards, you had your two forwards, and you had your center. Now it's all blended together. It's just all a blur. And then... Doncic couldn't defend the point guard, shooting guard, or small forward. Okay. If you think he's that good, it's like Larry Bird couldn't guard anybody. But who was guarding Larry Bird? And now we're comparing Doncic to Larry Bird. And you had a guy who was in the European League playing for a championship. He was 15, 16, 17 years of age. He's playing against grown men in a hostile environment there. If you've ever been to one of those games or even watched one of those games, there's an environment there. And he was the MVP. And he was winning a championship there. Now, when I watched his highlight, full disclosure, I always thought that he was just a little bit quick enough to get by somebody, a little bit strong enough to do something. His release was just barely quick enough to get it off. Like, I I just thought he was... Barely great, if that makes sense. Like everything was had to be perfect, and he was great. But he is doing the same thing he did in Europe. Same moves, same shot, dribble, pass. The step back, he's improved on that. But, you know, this will stay with Vlade Divac the rest of his life because Luka Doncic could have changed the Sacramento Kings. Now, they might not be a playoff team. But at least you would, and I like De'Aaron Fox, but I would think De'Aaron Fox would figure out how to work with Luka Doncic after maybe playing with him, 
one season would that's all it would take where Darren Fox would go, mm, you know what? I'm probably the uh, the second guy here because that guy's really good. But that would have changed the Phoenix Suns. Imagine if you had Luka Doncic there. Now you got something really interesting here. When you hit, it changes your entire franchise. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They hit on Patrick Mahomes. Changed him for the next decade. Changed him. And then you look at some of these other teams where the Bears, had they taken Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, it would have changed the entire franchise. And with the NBA, you only have to put five guys out there. And when you're drafting somebody and it hits, it changes a franchise. And that's why when, I mean, I give Vlade credit that he, he says, look, that was on me. But when you pass on a generational talent, what did you see in Marvin Bagley other than, hey, maybe coming from a good program like Duke and uh, he's not going to be in competition with De'Aaron Fox, the big guy, you know, he's a good offensive player. And, and maybe Marvin Bagley turns out to be a respectable talent here. One worthy of the number two overall pick in the draft. But, you know, the Atlanta Hawks traded him too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, don't let them off. But, but they got Trey Young. <laughs> that, that's the only saving grace with that. Like, yeah, we traded him, but they also got, what, one or two first-round picks and Trey Young. So they got Trey Young, who they wanted, and I think a, a future first-round draft pick. Maybe it's this year first-round draft pick, but... Uh, I appreciated Vlade being honest about that, but man, that's going to stay with you for as long as Luka Doncic is playing. It's going to stay with you. Yeah, Paul. I went back and looked at a lot of the draft profiles and draft grades from 2018. Everyone loved Marvin Bagley's offensive game. They said he, he was so advanced as a youngster in the ACC, but then with the next pick, Luka Doncic, everyone thought that he had more potential to be great. They didn't see it week one. They said... When, when he gets going, he'll be great. You can find a ton of articles that love Luca. The only criticisms of Luca were defensively. And that drives me crazy. Probably because I never played defense. But just that we, when we profile somebody, let me tell you the negatives. I want to know if the positives are so positive, I don't care what the negatives are. Patrick Mahomes, and the only reason why I keep bringing this up is, I watched him and I thought... Okay, they say this is a system quarterback when you play at Texas Tech. And I went, he's his own system. When I watched him play, I said he's his own system. And then what did I hear? Uh, Favre-like, takes too many chances, gunslinger, all those things. Nobody said might have one of the strongest arms in NFL history, might be the most accurate passer uh, his father was a major league baseball player, understands, you know, the responsibility of being professional, mature beyond his year, like nothing like that. It was, let me tell you the negatives. And I think what happens when it comes to drafting somebody is the negatives outweigh the positives. Because if I looked at the negative, remember when I tried to tell David Kahn, who was the GM of the Timberwolves, I was like, you should take Steph Curry. And it was basically, stay in your lane, talking hairdo. And I just said, you know, this is a perimeter-based game. And that guy is the best shooter in college basketball. Who knew he was going to be the greatest shooter of all time? But, you know, these guys will look at it and go, eh, not strong enough. Eh, he played at Davidson, didn't have a real strong schedule. You know, he was a two guard, then they made him a point guard. And I, okay. But you talk yourself out of picks. It's rare when you talk yourself into it. Although I do think the Bears talked themselves into Mitchell Trubisky because whatever they saw as an athlete, you know, maybe there, there weren't as many negatives with him because we didn't know that much about him. The bigger you are, the more somebody's got to have the negative side of you. That's just the way we work. It's like, hey, they're saying all these nice things. Uh, I'm going to come out and say something negative. And, you know, I don't think people had enough time to do that to Mitchell Trubisky. Where they're like, and we didn't think they were trading up to get Mitchell Trubisky. That's where you go, well, he fell into our lap. Mm, that didn't happen there. 
Yes, Paulie. I, I kind of thought that this college football season would be that for Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, that people who had lauded him when he was unavailable now would chip away at him when he's now available in the draft. And it would be like, Justin Fields is better, Justin Fields, than other quarterbacks because Trevor Lawrence was around too long. And I think that, yes, and I think that was what that was going to happen, I think, with Trevor Lawrence. And Justin Fields, this might have been his breakout year where people realized he might be better than Trevor Lawrence. He might be ready, NFL ready, or that his, his traits are going to fit in with the NFL more than Trevor Lawrence. Now, if you don't have any football games for Justin Fields, now all of a sudden that combine is so important for him. And Trevor Lawrence, if he's able to play, you're going to have all eyes on Trevor Lawrence. But you're also, you know, the other quarterback to keep an eye on is the kid at North Dakota State. Because Trey Lance is going to be a top 10 draft pick. He's going to be. Talked to a scout yesterday, and he said, I want to see North Dakota State play this year. And I said, Okay, I usually watch them once they get to the postseason where they win. And this kid threw 28 touchdown passes and zero interceptions last year. And he's about 6'4", and he's 220, and North Dakota State asked their quarterbacks to be able to be multidimensional, running and throwing. And he might be perfect, perfect for the NFL from North Dakota State. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Poll question, did we settle on one, McLevin? Yeah, I put up just to see what people would say. Uh, Paul's question about who should decide if college football players play. Players, parents, coaches, ADs, college presidents, or governors, and college presidents run, running away with Yeah, them. because they have the most to lose here. And they're, they have to be the grown-ups in a room full of adults and be able to say, look, this isn't popular, but this is the prudent decision. This is the, this is the, the wisest decision that we can make. I don't know how the other presidents are able to look at this and say, we're playing football as opposed to the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Justin Fields didn't just become an elite college football player, and he, he's been that for a while. In fact, you can go back to you know, when he was in high school, and it's no surprise that you know, the Ohio State quarterback has started a petition to allow Big Ten schools to make their own decisions on football this fall. And this is another one of those unexpected examples of a trend that's growing stronger and stronger in college sports, and that's player empowerment. Fields argues that no one asked the players their opinion, and they're the ones that face the most risk and have the most to lose because they're not going to be able to play football. And the Big Ten's decision to shut down football is a much bigger topic with a lot of tentacles attached to it. But it's interesting how we keep coming back to these same issues. The amateur model worked for a long time, but it feels dated in 2020. When conferences announced that they were canceling football, we saw some really big numbers being thrown around. Now, losses could total up to a billion dollars, and local economies are going to take a huge hit. It's big business. And we call them student-athletes, and we shouldn't be calling them student-athletes. They're athletic students. No matter what happens this year with college football, whether Fields' petition has any success, it is inevitable, at least it feels that way, Players are going to have more say than ever as we move forward. When we talked to Chip Kelly last week, the UCLA head coach, and he said, I sat down with my players and I wanted to hear what they had to say. And hopefully he did that. Hopefully some of these other coaches and athletic directors did that, not just with football players, with all of their full sport athletes here. When, you know, we love these coaches who say, yeah, it's about the kids. And I listen to the kids. Yeah, we, we want them included in this. But then when they don't agree with what you want in your philosophy, then you want to kick them to the curb. Hopefully that changes because there are still situations. I don't know how many, but coaches will run off players to get their scholarship. They want to run them off or a new coach comes in and this, this has happened. And I know people it's happened to. I've met parents that it happened to. New coach comes in, all of a sudden, their son is getting run off. So he loses his scholarship here. And I think this player empowerment, I think it's really important for, for these athletes to have a say because you can't treat them as amateurs. Not in a situation like this. There is no way I could look at the SEC, ACC, Big 12 and say those are amateurs. Not with what's at stake. And you know what's at stake? Their health, obviously, but billions of dollars. That's what's at stake. That's why we're playing. Nobody, nobody, there was no politician who got upset when a smaller, lesser known school in Nebraska shut down their season, right? I, I didn't hear anybody go, like, hey, they should be playing football. You know who is playing football? Those that can make money. That's why everybody's outraged. We got to play. We need to play. I understand that. But we're picking and choosing. Did anybody get upset when the Mac shut down? I, I, it, uh, it, besides me? Well, yeah, I did too. Oh. Politician. Did you have any politician bang you know, the gavel and say, we can't stand for this. I need to have mid-American conference football. I want to see Toledo and Ball State. I, I didn't hear anybody. Did the governor of Ohio say anything when Akron decided they weren't playing or Toledo? No, but if Ohio State's not playing, well, that's different. Well, what's different? There's still kids taking a risk playing football. You're not generating the money Ohio State is. We can't pick and choose with this. But these student athletes, hopefully they're protected. Hopefully 
you know, the students come on campus. That's the difference. That will be the difference. If they're smart. Now, some universities are, are saying that you'll be punished. The student will be punished. It, there's a new code of conduct here. But if you have an off-campus party, and this happened at the uh, University of Miami. You had some students who went viral with a video about partying, got kicked out. Like, see ya. You know, imagine, hey, we're going to, let's put it on TikTok here. We got a party going on here. Uh, hello? What? Okay. Uh, we just got kicked out. That's what you have to, you have to police yourself. But then you got to worry about all the other students. You know what you were like when you were 21? We were the most invincible people ever. We were superheroes on campus. Sleep? Who needs sleep? Stay out on, hey, we could have keggers. We can, that's what's going to happen here. And state by state, it's going to, and, and that's where it's so holding on by a thread right now. And the NFL can pull this off because they don't have to worry about other people involved in this. You get tested, same people get tested, same people go here who go there. And then can we quarantine you in a hotel? Now, how many days can you spend in a hotel? You don't go home, you stay here. You get ready for a game. This is business. There's no pleasure. This is business. If you want to pull it off, you have to treat it as business. And that's the same for college football. You don't want to you know, make it seem like it's business because it's student-athletes here, but let's pull back the curtain. This is all business, and the reason why you're trying to pull this off is the amount of money that's at stake. Yeah, Paul. But if you look at Justin Fields' argument, at Ohio State there's going to be thousands and thousands of kids who are choosing to go back to classes, and they have the option to do it from home or go to school. They can have the option. And the decision is made by the parents. Why can't the football players have the same decision as an average student to go back and participate in the activities that they want when students can, but football players cannot? Yeah, but there's liability involved in these players if they come back. Will they sign a waiver that says, you know, I'm, I'm guessing the students, when they come on campus, you know, are they giving away anything? I, I could tell you that some schools are looking at it. Once you choose to come back on yeah. campus and pass up the opportunity to learn from home, you're almost agreeing to, it's almost like buying a ticket to a ballpark. You're agreeing to what's on the back of the ballpark ticket by going on the campus. You know, I feel bad for the Big Ten and Pac-12 because I don't think these players had any say. Now, I don't know if it would have mattered because the presidents might have said just what I was telling you and what my source told me last Monday. It's liability. He underlined liability on the text that he sent to me. That that's what it came down to. And that the Pac-12 was the first that wanted to close up shop. Then they waited because the Big Ten was going to do it for them because they are in conjunction with the Rose Bowl and the relationship. And, you know, this is about, you know, perception and reality, too. When you look at these conferences in the Big Ten and Pac-12, will these 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds look at them differently because... You know, they don't prioritize football the way the ACC or the SEC or Big 12 does. Whether that's true or not, in their minds, and as one of the Big 12 coaches told my source, he said this decision for us to play puts us above the Big 10. Like that's his, that, his mindset is, now we're in there with the ACC, certainly the SEC. Now, if it works out, it does. But, you know, perception and reality... And that's at stake, too. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He is uh, the head coach of my uh, West Point cadets. He is uh, Jeff Monken, who joins us on the program. Coach, good morning. Thanks for joining us. I'm looking at the schedule. You guys are playing uh, TBD a couple of times. Uh, you're favored against TBD a, uh, a few games here. What is the update on your schedule? We're going to open against Middle Tennessee State here uh, the first weekend in September. 
And uh, we've kind of got a schedule planned out from there. I don't know that I'm at liberty to to uh, to say all the all of the games that we we've, we've kind of scheduled and got agreements with, but we're we've got a we've got a full schedule. We're excited about that and and anxious to get to that first one so that we can continue on through. Uh, would it be fair to say that you're speaking to Power Five conference teams about maybe getting a game or two? We have we have spoken to Power Five teams. I, I will say it's it's that that's a bit of a challenge just fitting into the uh, conference schedules with them. We had some agreements with with some teams that uh, from conferences that are still playing, um, so we we've, we've been able to maintain those. Um, but it, it's been a challenge. It, it, we've got uh, a great staff here that's worked really hard to to put a schedule together. the The most important thing was for for us was to to get games to be able to to play a schedule and give that opportunity to our, our student athletes. Why are you able to play football in the big 10 and PAC 12 can't? Well, I can only speak for, for our, our team and our school. Uh, our, our, our institution has done an unbelievable job of, of, of testing and uh, treating and, and protecting all the folks that, that live here and work here and go to school here. We've, we've got all of our cadets back. Uh, as for our football team, we came back June 1st, which was the first opportunity uh, to return. Uh, the NCAA allowed us to start voluntary workouts then, and we had uh, some positives on the way in. Guys coming from all over the country, we haven't had a single positive test since then. So uh, maintaining, I guess, the bubble that they talk about, uh, we've been able to do that here and, and do it very effectively. So proud of our guys and, and just uh, – very, very thankful to our administration for giving us the support that we need. Is your cousin still the offensive coordinator at Georgia? He, he is. As far as I know, I don't think Kirby's gotten rid of him yet. <laughs> but have you talked to him because the SEC feels like they're the NFL. It's full speed ahead and they're planning on playing football. What's your brother uh, said about that? Oh, he, he's, uh, he, he's working like I am at, at getting that team prepared. And we don't talk. Uh, every day, but we we did talk earlier in the summer, and and uh, I think their their attitude is the same as ours. If we can do it safely, and uh, and and maintain the health of our team, that we want to play. And I and I don't think there's a a lack of desire for the teams in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or even the commissioners and the presidents. That, that everybody wants to play. It's just finding a way to do that safely. Will there be fans at West Point? I'm not certain exactly what uh, that's going to look like. We're hopeful that we can have uh, uh, at least our cadets uh, that, that come to every game and, uh, and then hopefully some fans as well, but that's to be seen. That would give you a little bit of a home field advantage if you had the cadets there. I mean, maybe not a lot, but you know that'd be a lot more than most of the schools you're going to be facing. It'd be more than none, that's for sure. So they do a good job too. They, they like to yell and and, uh, and, and and get excited over there. So we enjoy having uh, the core cadets there behind us. Can you sneak me in for one game? I don't have to sit next to anybody, but my wife and I usually go once a year, if not every other year. And you know what I'll do? I'll be the PA announcer. How's that? You, you're, you're in. We'll put you on full scholarship. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, but I don't want to go through the uh, the rigors of being a cadet up there. Cause that's... No, you, you, you're already qualified. You, you don't have to qualify. <laughs> Well, good luck with this. And uh, are you sure you don't want to give me uh, any nuggets here that, you know, who you might be playing? Well, we're still intending to play the Academy games. And uh, Tulane was on our schedule uh, originally, and we're going to still play them in, uh, in November. Uh, there was a, a Georgia Southern. Um, it, it, they, they put out uh, publicly that, that they had scheduled a game with us in, in November. That's obviously my – my former school, I was a coach there before coming here to Army. And, and uh, so it, it, I think some of those are public. I just, I'm very cautious about, about putting those out there until our administration, our athletic department is, is, uh, is, is willing to kind of say, here's what it looks like. And I understand that. Like, did you talk to your brother about scheduling Georgia? Uh, we, we talked to everybody in the country that would have a conversation <laughs> with us about a game. We, we, we were, when, when things started to fall apart in terms of the schedule and, and the conferences, we, we reached out to everybody. Bob Bretta, who's uh, one of the senior associate athletic directors here, handles scheduling. And I think he talked to all 
129 <laughs> other teams in the FBS and just said, hey, are you interested in doing this? So I'm sure we probably had a conversation with them and, and, uh, and everybody else in the league. What's the coolest thing in your office as I uh, look there at the bookshelf? So I've got a lot of game balls and stuff back there. My, my, my favorite piece, I got a picture right over my shoulder here. My dad is, uh, is catching a touchdown pass for Illinois State against Ball State in 1960 and uh, a one-handed catch for a, for a touchdown, which is a, a, a treasured memento I've got here. He still comes to all the games and stands on the sideline with us. He was my high school coach and so that's that's pretty neat. How about you? You got a lot of stuff in oh, there. I got I got so much stuff in here. Um, I have a couple of uh, Army Navy helmets that they send to me every year when you guys play, like a, a promotional helmet. Um, I have jerseys. I have Army uh, jerseys in here. Uh, I have so much stuff in here, Coach. Like it's it's kind of crazy that this is. I can't call it a man cave. Like this is a man field house because it's <laughs> there's a basketball court in here, football field, golf simulator, pinball, two bars, grilling area. Come visit, coach. I, I need to. You come to West Point. It sounds like it sounds like it's a, that's a pretty fun place <laughs> we, to hang out. We can do a home and home here. I'll, I'll, I love visiting you guys up there, but uh, we'd love to have you uh, during safer times. Come visit us. Agreed. We'll send you the contract. Thank you, coach. Good luck. Thanks a lot. Be Navy. All right. Yes. All right. There you go. Jeff Monken. He's the uh, Army head football coach. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris Spielman, the uh, former Ohio State All-American linebacker and great Detroit line. Chris, good to visit with you. Hi, Dan. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. At our morning meeting, we were wondering about... What is the atmosphere, that feeling around Ohio State football? Justin Fields putting out this petition. Like the last two weeks there, um, how would you sum up just the feeling you get from uh, your callers to your show or just fans you run into? Well, I, yeah, I think it's like everywhere around the country. I think one thing about football, it's, a, it's galvanizing, especially in the state of Ohio. And I think everybody understands the risk of COVID. And I think the... The big concern is, and what I think Justin wants and what most of the parents want, is that they want the right to choose at the most, and at the very least, give us a reason or give them a reason why they can't play moving forward. I think that's an obligation of the Big Ten. But why is it that the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 are playing and the Big Ten is not? Well, I think there's a diversity of opinion on the medical situation and myocarditis and you know, you have a doctor from the University of Michigan come out who's a and part of it and said that myocarditis has been around for years. And I'll give you the perfect example of how maybe these kids would be a little bit safer. I'm, I'm assuming you talked about Cameron Smith, the linebacker of the Minnesota Vikings, who had COVID. They went and got his heart checked and they found out that he needed uh, life-saving surgery, quite frankly. And that was all because he got his heart checked and it had nothing to do with COVID or COVID symptoms. But I think if you go about that protocol, what's going to happen is maybe you'll be able to find some heart issues that some kids may have that otherwise would have went undiagnosed. What would you ask the commissioner of the Big Ten? Uh, why? I mean, I look, I have a daughter, Dan, that's a basketball player at BG at Bowling Green, for those of those not from Ohio that don't know where BG is. And, you know, so I understand the players' concerns. So if they would cancel my, cancel my daughter's season, the one question, okay, give me the reason why. And why did it change over a five-day period? And we at least, at the very least, need to know why. And uh, then I also think from my perspective, coming from a parent's point of view, as a player, it's obvious I'd want to play. But coming from a parent, if you're going to make this decision, then tell me why, because all of a sudden it's going to affect a lot of kids' futures. Because you think about it, players that go into this, uh, that have dreams, and everybody that goes to Ohio State thinks they're an NFL player. I think you'd agree with that. So you're eliminating the undraftable kid to becoming draftable. You're eliminating the seventh-round kid to become a third-round kid, or in Joe Burrow's case, the fifth-round kid become a first-round kid. That's just a small part of it, but that's a part of it. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out, and that's why we're going to have the NCAA's chief medical officer on because I don't think he has any jurisdiction over the SEC, ACC, and the Big 12 to play football. And I have said this to a couple of coaches we've had on. Why can't I get the medical people with the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 on with the medical people, the Big 10, and Pac-12? And let's just talk. Do it a Zoom call. Let us... Let us, you know, listen in and understand the transparency, if there is transparency with this, so we understand what one conference is doing and what another conference is not doing. So that would require strong leadership, in my opinion. (laughs) No, no, I'm not not trying to be a smart aleck here. I'm just saying somebody has to stand up and take the lead. Can the kids get COVID playing football? Absolutely, 100% yes. Can the kids get COVID not playing football? Absolutely, 100% yes. And so the question I would ask of, uh, if I were a parent or, again, if I were leading, I would say, we are opening up the schools. Ohio State's going to have 40,000 students check in. Do they have to sign a waiver? I mean, I mean what are we doing here? Somebody's got to get together. They have to assume control and come to a consensus. And until you do that, you're going to have everybody playing by their own separate rules. He's Chris Spielman, the uh, NFL analyst with Fox Sports, former uh, NFL great, and certainly played at Ohio State. What's your favorite NFL memory that you'll tell your grandkids? Um, well, probably I, it, it kind of go, uh, goes together. The uh, first preseason game I played was in Cleveland, 
And Daryl Rogers, long forgotten name, but a very good man, was the head coach of the Lions who drafted me, came in the team meeting afterward, and he said to me, where's Spielman? This is how he started meeting. That was the absolute worst performance I've ever seen out of a linebacker. <laughs> I can't believe we drafted you in the second round. You look like a blind dog in a butcher shop. You had no idea what you're doing. You're running around crazy. <laughs> So that whole week, my coach came up to me and said, we're starting in the second preseason game. In the second preseason game, before the game, I remember saying to myself, this is your destiny. It's now or never. Either you're going to be a player or you're not. I went out and played well, and, and it kind of the rest is history. So I know that's not a very exciting moment, but for me, it was life-changing, and it uh, set my destiny and my future from then on, moving forward. And you also got to play with Barry Sanders. You'd, right. Yeah, that I'm sure was. One story. Can I give you a quick story about Barry? Absolutely. First, first uh, uh, third day in, in, uh, that Barry reported to camp, he was late. Um, he ran the ball. We had a full pads practice. I went up and hit Barry Sanders. And you remember Wayne Than used to drive around in that golf cart and smoke the cigar? Well, you know, Wayne's from Canton. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm from Canton, Maslin area. And Wayne comes up with a cigar in his golf cart and he comes up and says, Chris, I played against your dad. I've known your dad for 30 years. I love you. I love you like a son. But I got to tell you, if you hit Barry again, I'm going to put your ass on the bus back to Canton in no time. Said, Message received, coach. Hands off Barry. I got it. Yeah, normally it's hands off the quarterback. But this yeah. was yeah. not that you could really put your hands on Barry. Like, I've never seen somebody make so many people miss of all the running back. Maybe you played against somebody who I, I did i did play against him in buffalo yeah and uh the only reason i got a good shot on him but the only reason why was that he never saw me now if he saw you he had no, <laughs> shot. He had no chance i'm serious so it's just amazing what he was able to do in my mind of course i'm biased but i think in a lot of people's mind the best ever i saw did you put up your uh big 10 championship ring for auction I put two of them up for auction for COVID relief. So Bruce Hooley and I do a podcast together. And uh, I thought, you know, God has given me a position uh, to do something. And so my goal was uh, the number 40 is, is biblical in a way. And so I raised $40,000 to give away $1,000 for 40 weeks. And that will end in January. So we draw four names out of a hat uh, every week. We give $250 away to four different people who are nominated. And so it's just my way of doing so. I've been given a, a platform, and whether it's for breast cancer research in honor of my late wife or COVID relief, or we just had a big fundraiser for ALS where we raised $50,000 for my teammate, William White, at Ohio State in Detroit, uh, I have an obligation to give back. And uh, it's something that uh, I take seriously. And, you know, it's a lesson that I try to teach my family is what you give will grow and what you keep you lose. So I try to give it away as much as I can. And I, I, I know you miss Stephanie, but, you know, she was such a strong woman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I got remarried to a Youngstown girl, and it's interesting. I don't I mean if I can say this or not, but, uh, you know, it's interesting that I thought I would never get remarried. And it's interesting about the concept of grace that the only way I could love another woman, if it would be that was totally different. So I married a Youngstown girl. I can't get off the Northeast Ohio chicks. There's something about them to me. But they're just tough as hell, man. I mean, but, but I, I was able to love again, but it's totally different. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, widowers in my position who've remarried understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's great to talk to you. How are the uh, buys and tries there? How are, how, how? Uh, I'm in the weight room now, man. Remember, uh, I got my jersey of Eric Andelsack. Remember him? He's uh, my teammate that was killed tragically by a, a drunk driver. So that's about the one of the two jerseys I have hanging up in this weight room. And uh, it's just to honor him. So uh, it's going great, man. I can't I can't complain. I, I try to work out and exercise and eat healthy and control as much of my destiny as I can. Tell Bruce we said hello. Great to talk to you again, Chris. Thank you. Got you. It, brother. All right. God bless you. Thank you. That's Chris Spielman. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Brian Hainline, he had some uh, comments yesterday. Saw those on uh, CNN where he talked about, we're not in a place today where we can safely play sports. Return of students could be, quote, 
the downfall. In fact, let's uh, go to the doc who uh, joins us now. The NCAA's chief medical officer, clinical professor of neurology at Indiana University School of Medicine. Uh, doc, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, help me understand those quotes uh, when you came up with that bottom line. Is this all sports that we can't safely play sports and the students come back uh, would be the downfall? Well, it was a reference to playing sports today, yes. If we look at the current environment, the national environment, and especially where testing, our testing paradigm and contact tracing, uh, it's not good today. And what we don't know is once the students start re-socializing in the dorms and what that brings to a college community, uh, we have to be able to understand that. So it was really speaking about the moment. But then you see where the Big 12 and the ACC and SEC are playing football. How is that possible? Well, so what's happened is that they decided to postpone and not make a decision yet. So the way the NCAA works, and it's, it's not uh, such a straightforward organization because it's a representative democracy, as, as you probably know. So the Autonomy 5 schools, really the FBS schools, they control the football, the college football championship. And so they have to adhere to mandates that the NCAA put out because the NCAA does oversee what happens with the student athletes. So the We've been working, actually, I, I was a part of the member of the Autonomy 5 Medical Advisory Panel. Their guidelines are the exact same as ours. We put out the mandates. But independently, the Big Ten made a decision separate from the other four. Then the Pac-12 made a decision separate from the other four. And then the three other conferences said, well, we're postponing making a decision. So um, they, they, but when they make a decision, it must follow the mandates that are in the third document that we put out. We put out three documents over the last two and a half months that have guided how the membership can return to sport. But if you're saying that we can't have football, we can't have sports, uh, we can't safely play sports, and the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 go ahead, what happens? Well, again, my reference was at the moment. I was really making a particular point about what's been happening with testing in this country, the fact that we don't have national oversight. A month from now, when they're contemplating possibly beginning their schedule, we'll see where we are, but they have to follow the mandates in place. And and so uh, that would set up a confrontation if the mandates aren't being followed. What do you mean confrontation? Well, on the one hand, the Board of Governors, which is the most powerful committee of the NCAA, they've said every school must follow these mandates. And so um, all of the conferences, all of the individual schools must follow that. And so, you know, that what, what the confrontation would be. And, you know, I can't predict what would happen with that, but, but that's where things have been laid out. What's the most important part of this testing on a daily basis for these athletes? Well, you know, testing is just one part of it. The most important aspect of what can happen is, is how athletes and everyone else behave. Because you can be tested five times a day. But if you're engaged in, in, in risky behavior, either on the field or off the field, it, it, it doesn't matter. But the one thing that testing allows, and especially if you have rapid turnaround, is you can immediately isolate those who have tested positive. You can immediately quarantine those who are in a very high-risk contact. And so that's a paradigm that really could make sense for this country. It actually would be as effective as a vaccine if we did it right. But right now, where we are in this country, we still have a national shortage of the reagent for, for the standard test, PCR. And in many parts of the country, it's taking seven to 10 days. That's essentially a worthless test. Where are we on the vaccine? feels like there's at least a, a window of opportunity here. Well, there, there may be. It's interesting. I was on a conference call uh, the other day with uh, Dr. Carlos Del Rio from Emory, who, who's pretty world-renowned in, in understanding these issues. And for the first time, he expressed some cautious optimism that we may have a vaccine rollout sometime in, in March or April. And again, the rollout is it takes time because, you, you know, it means that you first work with those that are really essential workers. We have to decide who that is to find that it's really, you know, our medical workers, the police, but but also those who are working in supermarkets and doing essential jobs. But it would be a rollout over many months if, if we reach that time. And, Doc, I was wondering about this. And I know you mentioned this with students coming back on campus. It feels like this, the athlete is safer on campus, given all the testing, than if they they were back home or, you know, in the general population there on campus. But now you bring that general population in and just the exposure and the nature of being a college student. I just don't know how this I don't know how this happens. I don't know how we pull this off. I really don't. 
Well, you're not alone in that thought. So, um, but you look at some schools, for example, uh, University of Kentucky, they, they just have a marvelous plan, which they've essentially created a, a semi-permeable, almost a, a real bubble effect with how they're working with their entire population of students, student athletes, all of the other stakeholders, the teachers, the, the those, the maintenance staff, you know, and, and, and so that's one model, but um, the other model is, okay, what, what happens to the athletes? I think for the four hours a day that the, the schools are with them, yeah, they can control their behavior, but the other 20 hours, it, it's an unknown. And so, you know, what does it mean to be a, you know, a college kid and, and being in a dormitory? And, and that could be a higher risk behavior than, than actually being in, in athletics. So that, that's, the, that's the dilemma right now. And that's really the dilemma of being a student athlete compared to being a professional athlete. I keep hearing the word liability. And I feel like if I'm a president at the Big Ten or Pac-12, liability played a larger role, a large role in a, our decision to shut things down. Would you say that that is the biggest concern here with presidents as far as the NCAA goes? Well, look, I've spoken to hundreds of presidents and, and they don't use the word liability so much as they use the word the uncertainty and, and what's feasible and, and how do we really do the best thing for everyone in this situation. You know, liability has been thrown around a, a, a lot. And, and, and so I'm sure there are plaintiff's lawyers who are circling as they always are for, for any opportunity, but, but we're in the middle of a pandemic and, and, and the entire country needs to awaken and say, what can each one of us do individually to do the right thing? And so, yeah, liability is one part of it, but I think it goes way, way beyond that. What do you think of the NFL's plan? Well, we'll see. You know, so I'm in very regular contact with all of the chief medical officers of, of professional sports. So the NFL plan is very different, for example, than the NHL and the NBA, which have created a bubble. And, and we'll see. You know, they move from three times a week testing to essentially daily testing. But again, what are the NFL players going to be doing off the field? And, and, and so, you know, the NFL plan in some ways is not too different than Major League Baseball. And, and so, again, you're interacting with society. Is everyone really taking that honor pledge and doing the right thing? That remains to be seen. And I wonder if the NCAA, can you bubbleize college basketball? Is, is that possible? Well, so there are talks about that, and, and, and it depends what you mean. And, and, and so as we move into, say, March Madness, the Final Four, I think there, there have already been uh, conversations about creating a bubble for that. But there's the entire season as well, and, and there are several games uh, per week. So, so really, for college basketball, that's where testing is going to be, I think, even more critical in terms of having daily tests or, or, or you know, results that you can get right away so that you know who's on and, and, and who's off. That, that's going to be, you know, we have to have the point of care testing if we're going to pull off college basketball. Doc, thank you for your time and uh, continued good luck with trying to, I don't know, lasso this. But I still would love to have the medical community with the ACC, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12 and Big 10 and do a town hall where we should be able to hear the information that's being exchanged here. I feel like as parents, as members of the media, I appreciate you coming on. Why can't we pull that off? Well, you know, I, I think it's a great question. So what we did on Friday is, is we actually had two members of the NCAA uh, COVID medical advisory panel speaking live to the entire nation with me. And they went through the deliberative process of how we came to our decision making. You know, the autonomy five the, or the power five, we've been meeting every single week. So every conference has their medical advisory panel, but then they came as one. And yeah, I think it's fair game to to share the deliberative process on on that. And and uh, but it's what's been amazing is that the scientists really have agreed. But when you have a new situation, you can have scientific data, and you have one people that are interpreting it this way, and others that are interpreting it that way. And you know, if we assume good intent, can you still interpret things differently? Well, actually, history tells us that that's the case. Thank you, Doc. Good luck. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to be with you. It's Dr. Brian Hainline. He's the NCAA chief medical officer. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.